episode, I'm joined by Lemise. Hi. Jesse. Hiya. And Juanita. Hello. In this episode, we're going to be um, talking about um, mental health, um, being a black woman in today's society where millennials, young, cool and hip, and the mental health issues that may come with being so young, cool, hip and free, um, especially in a pandemic, and um, being black women as well. Um, how have you guys been finding lockdown? Um, up and down, ebbs and flows. Um, I would say I've been quite lucky and my lockdown experience up until now has been fairly positive in that I quite enjoy not doing that much socially and I've used it to learn to cook and just chill and reflect on my life. Um, I took voluntary redundancy from a job that I didn't really want to be in so yes I'm unemployed which is a bit rubbish and not having money but it was my choice so it's kind of positive. So so far I would say it's been okay like on an individual level. Um, I guess what worries me more is about to being about to go into winter and the second lockdown and all that that entails and also I feel like a lot has happened over the past six months some lockdown related but a lot just globally the world falling apart wise and at some point that's definitely going to hit and I'm not going to be able to gloss over it and pretend it's not happened I'm just waiting for that to eventually kick in and then I'll probably have a bit of a breakdown but for now I'm fine <laughs> Fair, same same Lemise <laughs> um I I still have to work because I'm a teacher so I don't really feel the same effects that everybody else did um lockdown and real life were very similar so um i'm just kind of happy to be back in school with the kids um but every day they sneeze on me it just it, it feels like they're taking a day off of my life <laughs> and freshest flu can affect all young old anyone in september it's just the worst so it's a bit of a freaky time but i kind of like that my job is just to keep everybody smiling and keep going Juanita, how is lockdown treating you oh i've been loving it it's been great you know i've been going to the gym i've been seeing friends social distancing room um enjoying the eat out to help out you know i've got really fat over was it August was or September whatever month it was um yeah just been having a lot of good fun basically nice I feel like I'm the most miserable one then out of lock like during lockdown because I think I'm just very much like I miss my friends and I want to hang out with them I think that's what I've like found quite difficult um and especially like not having the routine that rugby kind of brought as well. It's annoying one living at home in London, but also like the fact that now that I've started working and I've got a job as a speech therapist, which is great. And in these unprecedented times, I'm grateful that I have a job, but on the flip side of it, I'm having to work at home and I'm just, especially like the kind of profession that I wanted to get into. It's not one that I thought I would ever be like behind the screen all day. So I think it's, yeah. I'm finding that quite hard as well. But I think it's nice to have like rugby to break up the week because um, we've gone back to training. But obviously it's not the same as things used to be. Um, so I wanted to ask, what do you guys miss about training? 
I miss tackling. Because uh, I just find like I'm taking, um, I have less control over my anger now. I didn't really think I was an angry person, but I am a bit more bursty. And I think I didn't realise how much rugby chilled me down. Um, I do miss rugby. So I have sort of avoided going to all of pre-season because my knee's still a bit dodgy and it's quite a handy excuse slash I need to get it sorted. But I definitely, definitely miss the discipline and the fitness. And I think given how limited social opportunities have been this summer, just the opportunity to see that many people legitimately and not have to worry about it from a legal point of view is definitely something I miss. It's just nice to have, like you said, like routine, like something that's fixed in your diary that you're going to have to do no matter what sort of mood you're in. And then you know that you're going to feel great after it, even if you dread going to it. I think that's, I think that's hitting the nail on the head massively. Because it was like, you would go on Wednesday, you'd find out on Thursday, you'd play. Like, we'd be playing now. Mm. I miss playing so much. Mm. I miss playing because I only play well in the summer as well. So, like, these are my key weeks where I write my work. <laughs> and then as soon as it gets to, like, September and it gets colder, my body just freezes. So that it's useless to everyone. So now that I've missed my peak, there's just, I can't offer anything, really. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Juanita, what, what did you miss about rugby, like when we were on lockdown? Yeah, I think I missed, uh, like surprisingly, because I'm a bit of an introvert, I missed like seeing people and like human contact, like just touching other human beings. I really, really missed that. But aside from that, I think I missed like, well, I'm not really a fan of running anyway, but I just missed like move, moving my body and like feeling oxygen in my lungs and I just felt like a bit of a, I don't know, like an object just sitting at home when we weren't playing rugby. But now I think I'm really loving it. Just like seeing people's faces like from week to week. And I think I also love like the socials after. I mean, when I do go as well. That's You've been like really coming to socials recently. It's been really coming out of your shell. It's lovely to see. Another fellow yeah, alcoholic no. with me. It's nice. Uh, okay, number one, that's not me. <laughs> 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 um, actually, like, I think I'm, I think I, I told myself that I'd make a conscious effort to try and uh, socialise more outside of just training and games and stuff. But I really miss competing now. I miss, like, I miss the season. Like, I really wanted to you know, see what we were going to do now that we've been moved up to champs now. Yeah, um, yeah so that's kind of shit, basically. You sort it's, of need games for incentive as well, don't you? Like, it's obviously training's great, and like, especially where we've had limited social, outdoor interaction, it's and being able to leave the house is a great excuse for anything. But without that structure of knowing that you've got games to play and to see that like level of improvement as you go week on week with each match it's quite hard to I don't know feel measured yeah and I just miss like eating loads and loads of food on a Sunday because then I had the excuse <laughs> of well I played 80 minutes of rugby like calories don't exist today and now I'm actually <laughs> having to like watch what I eat which is horrible and I have nothing to do, really. I was thinking about my weekend and like, you know, there are things that I could do around the house, but I want to have that excuse to just get in a car and drive somewhere and just be with friends. It's just so much fun. Mm. And I can't replicate that. We can sit down and have a dinner. We could get wasted in the pub. 
we could do whatever we want. I just want to take you to a field and ravage you. I know we're talking about like the positives that like rugby brought to our lives um, maybe before lockdown, but do you think, like, did rugby ever stress you out? Because I, it kind of was a stress and kind of wasn't, but like, I kind of found like the stress of selection and like maybe knowing that my fitness and stuff and that pressure that I put on myself used to like cause me a bit of stress. Looking back on it, maybe it was good stress. Um, and then my relegation, as Lamise likes to call it, from the ones to the twos happened. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just a bit like, oh, okay. But then looking back on it, I think it was a really good like learning curve for me. But at the time, I was like a bit stressed. I was like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. Um, is there any aspects of rugby that um, stressed you out as well? Yeah, everything. So uh, just being around Steve in general is quite stressful. Mm. Uh, and because he knows my name, he feels like he has a right to just go in on me. So whenever he would do that in such a public forum, it would really stress me out. I think I'm not the fastest, but that really stresses me out. I'm not the, I'm not the smartest on the pitch. I think I'm getting there. That stresses me out. And it's, it's just, it's, it's making a mistake and knowing that he's watching and being called up on it in such a public forum. But I'm like, <laughs> do I actually want to do this? <laughs> but it's nice that once he's said it, it's out of the system and it's over. Like, you can just move on. He doesn't really hold a grudge. If you, the next step you make is a good step, you're good. I... I don't I think I had the opposite to you in terms of if I got selected for the twos rather than the ones it made me so much less stressed then it became a game that I felt like I could actually just play for fun and just enjoy running around but as soon as you get put in the first it's like I mean it's a nice compliment and you do feel great about yourself sure but also you suddenly feel so much pressure and the problem is is that our whole team are so good so it's not just you have to do good by your standards or make sure that Steve doesn't shout at you but you have to not let everyone else down and I remember having one game where I don't think it was entirely my fault but I just didn't catch three balls in a row because they weren't thrown to quite the right place and you just get so frustrated because you know that like it's affected your whole team and not just you and I think that's one of the good things but also really stressful things about rugby in general it's such a team game and there's so much shared responsibility that you do get that pressure through as well but then also when it does work out you get like 15 times a reward because you've got everyone's shared joy not just your release yeah. it's worked but yeah I get really stressed in general as I mentioned before I get like stressy bowel movement so it's just all about <laughs> a very stressful experience up until the game starts when I was playing rugby in uni that was a different level of stress that because I went to uni for my degree right so I picked up rugby for fun um and then it just got really intense and I was like wow this is a lot and now I'm expected to perform and I'm expected to be fit and I'm like this is a lot of extracurricular things or an extra effort that I wasn't expecting to put in to a sport that I'm now having to put in best time of my life obviously but also really 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 difficult so yeah like like you said in the beginning and like at uni probably could have tried harder but just the pressure to perform well and the pressure for selection and like my fitness were, were always things that were kind of haunting me when, when, whenever I thought about rugby for sure um but now it's pretty you know it's a bit more chill for me at Hackney. 
do you think that um, the experience you had at uni would have mimicked the experience we will have at championship? Yeah, so really good question, Amiz. Um, I think that um, championships is going to be a lot more of a challenge and I think in comparison to my experience at university like I think game days will be a lot more stressful because of the kind of the difficulty that we're going of, of the league that we're going into I think Hackney was was in a weird place where we were almost too good for the league that we were in but also we might have a bit of a tough time in the league that we're going into you know that, yeah. that's what I foresee personally so we're kind of like in between um so yeah I'm it's probably going to cause me a bit more anxiety next um well maybe next year when we maybe start playing games in January there's loads of new girls coming into the club of all positions nobody's safe and like not one person is safe because I think we've got um, like probably a new person or at least decent people for almost every position now so you know I think it's great for Steve our coach he's got you know great pickings of you know some really exceptional players but for people who want to get into the starting lineup um I don't think it's going to be as easy. Obviously um the past couple of um but well this year with lockdown especially and um like a lot of news from america um and um obviously george floyd's death and like the black lives matter marches and the kind of movement that that has kind of sparked um across the world um but every time like you look at the news or like you go on instagram or anything it is just a bit of a shit show for um especially for black people in particular how much do you think it affects you I found when this first became a much more high profile thing after George Floyd was murdered, that it was very overwhelming because I didn't want to not be engaged. I didn't want to miss anything. And so I found for the first solid week, I was on Instagram, on the news all the time, just trying to know as much as possible, learn as much as possible. And I appreciate that for someone like me who in general had been living a quite quite an ignorantly blissful life up until that point part of the reason it felt so overwhelming is because <clears throat> oh sorry because there was so much to catch up on and to become aware of and had I been more engaged much earlier it wouldn't have been quite such a big thing but I think it's really hard in terms of like you just don't want to miss anything at all but then it's just like you say constant and it's non-stop and you can't maintain that level of engagement the whole time because it just chips away at you and it's very easy to feel quite hopeless about the whole state of the world if you go in too deep so very overwhelmed in general yeah <laughs> I have always been quite jokey and jesty and light-hearted and open with people about um humor around um black people and I think that this moment in time has made me realize how easy it is to turn something that's jestful into something that is hurtful um and i still to this day cannot get the image of what had happened to george floyd out of my head and i still cannot fathom 
how another human being can do that to another human being. And I think that is the turning point in my life that has made me realise how important it is to make sure that you are doing everything that you can to make people aware of things that are going on around you. And that's something that may start off as something jokey in the office kitchen or outside the pub with your friends could very easily turn into something quite dangerous. Um, so it's really, it's affected me in that way. And I just, I don't think I'll ever be the same again. Yeah, so I think like Jesse was saying, I suffered from social media fatigue and seeing that trauma or seeing that traumatic event of George Floyd's death basically plastered all over my Instagram feeds like you couldn't escape it and and especially being in lockdown with nothing else to do I was basically glued to screens whether it was my you know my laptop my my tv my phone like I I was forced to engage with it for you know a period of time right but again I I began to feel really overwhelmed by by seeing that event and just by the whole thing with like Black Lives Matter and and all of that stuff going on over in the US but I also got overwhelmed with having to have the same conversations with people that I knew in my personal life and I kind of wrestled with this idea of obviously not everybody understands because they're not from the same you know racial background as me um so they'll never understand you know the black lived experience I'm gonna have to have these conversations with people of other you know races but equally equally I'm tired like you know I'm not here to educate really that's not my job you know I've seen people write think pieces and you know do book recommendations which I did um for some of my friends as well but at the end of the day like I can't come and kill myself you know Google mm. is there for you to use and I think by the end of it I I did spend some time off of social media and like not looking at any of that of, of that stuff because I got tired and it made me quite sad actually mm. um as well like for a period of time like for like maybe a week or two just actually it really did affect my emotions I think it's almost in some ways I feel like it's almost felt worse in the past few weeks because all of that happens at the beginning of lockdown and I mean firstly I think we're all more attuned to it because like you say we had all the screen time we had more time to give to it in terms of marching and learning and researching because we were at home and then you kind of think, okay, great. Well, some movement and progress has been made during this because how could anyone have not been affected by everything that's been brought to light? And then yeah. you have all these other things like further killings and then even little things like the number of complaints against diversity. And actually this whole thing has made me feel more demoralized because it's really revealed. Like, I think a lot of people with very backwards mindsets have come out of the woodworks and felt almost galvanized by this whole thing that they're able to talk about it more openly so before mm. a secret racist you could kind of pretend that it wasn't really a thing and now it's just really obvious that so many people have really backwards views and 
there's so many people who you can't change those views for like that is just how they're going to feel forever I think there was this whole um thing about you know why is black lives matter black lives matter protesting in the uk this is a us problem you know george floyd uh brianna taylor that like you know people that have been uh, murdered by the police over in the us they didn't really see the connection between you know those events and then the global protest but i think what um this whole kind of like thing has revealed is that british racism isn't as covert as people would have you believe i think like what jesse said about all of those complaints about diversities um uh dance and who was it that had the blm necklace again what's her name alicia dixon alicia dixon yeah Yeah, like it's a necklace you know and that got complaints as well so obviously this country is still very very backwards and very very racist so yeah all, all of that you know together I think collectively for black people I think we're very very tired and I think or anybody who cares about you know racial injustice we're all very tired of just seeing that something that like really made me realize just how much like screen fatigue I was getting so I it's like quite sad because I think I became quite desensitized to like when the George Floyd thing happened it was disgusting and I haven't actually watched the video because I don't need to see that but the like hearing that a black person has been killed by the police like it doesn't shock me anymore like in America which is heartbreaking and I was kind of desensitized to it and then I think there was a period like during lockdown and this is when like the Black Lives Matter protests were going on and it was just like story after story after story and then there was like a bit of fake hope and then a bit of like Mm -hmm. another dash and then there was someone I feel really bad that I can't remember their name which is heartbreaking but um someone else got killed by the police and it was the same week that um Chadwick Boseman died as well and I don't know it just kind of broke my heart they're like because Chadwick Boseman was kind of like this icon for he was Black Panther like he was kind of like a new thing like black people can do everything he was like Black Panther like it was just (laughs) I think and then like just fit I think yes he died he was unwell but I think that was when it just kind of hit me and that like I think it has always like affected me and it's always been in my psyche and it's always been like something that I've found sad but not really properly acknowledged how found I how ah, how sad I found it. But like I think that was just kind of like the hit was like ah the world is shit. Everyone hates black people and it just like I think that's when it did come to a halt for me. And I deleted Instagram for the first time in ages. Which for me all I do is look at memes. Wow. So yeah, the mm. fact that I did that, I was just like wow, I'm not okay. And it affects you so much more than you think it does. I think what I found really heartbreaking about Chadwick Boseman was that he like you say it was the same week as I think it was, that was Jacob um Jacob Black yeah. week and yeah. he like Chadwick Boseman has put all of this work and physicality and you know personal sacrifice for spending the last few years of his health with his family instead of putting it in something that he felt was so monumental and important and then for everything to happen over the past few months with BLM and you think okay yeah maybe change is happening and then for, just before he dies for him to see that exact same situation happening again and I just hated the thought that he might have come thinking it's not changed anything nothing that I've yeah. like, it's just yeah. not had enough of an impact that's needed oh that was an awful week 
It was horrible. Mm. I just kept thinking, I kept seeing loads of pictures of like little kids looking at like the Black Panther poster. And I was like, these are the same little kids that are looking at like pictures of men that could be their dads getting killed or their brothers like getting killed mm. by the police as well. And I was like, this is just like, yeah, it kind of destroyed me. My way of dealing with it is kind of not dealing with it at all and just like deleting it and be like, no, nah, it doesn't exist. I'm going to knit and I'm going to yeah. watch The Office a million times. Um, how do you like kind of switch off from that and not think about it as much? I guess it is always in our minds, but like, how do you live? Because it's not fair. Not that it's not fair, but it's like, it's difficult to do. Um, it is unbearable to live in a world where, I mean, we are semi-fortunate to be in the UK, but we're still not completely safe. Um, so it, it is starting to kind of cripple the decisions that I make in my life choices and what I do and where I go. Um, but I do try to remind myself that the people in my immediate circle um, and the people that I work with and the people that I play rugby with and the people in my family love me and support me and are fighting for the same cause and i think mm -hmm. it's it's incredible to be surrounded by people of all races who are still fighting alongside you to make the world a better place that's literally all i have susie wakoma on her instagram talks quite a lot about letting black lives thrive and if ultimately society is telling you that you're not meant to be in this space for whatever prejudices they have, just being in that space is the ultimate protest. Just living your life and doing well is the ultimate protest and the ultimate you know, demonstration of our worthiness of being here. Not that we have to justify that, but like, and I really like that mentality of you can't take on everything and you know, everyone wants to do as much as they can, and that's great. But you know, if that does become overwhelming, just living your life and living it well in itself is enough of a protest to feel like you're doing something. Yeah, I think in order to kind of process all the feelings that I have or, ha or had at the time about, you know, racial injustice, I kind of like logged off of social media and started reading books about, you know, um like racial theory that that kind of thing so I could more effectively like express how I felt when or like when I needed to like or if I needed to like answer questions you know from my friends who are, are of other races and that was my way of kind of I don't know like not burying my head in the sand but also removing my way removing myself from looking at all of those videos and looking at like social media based based around pe like black people dying like I didn't want to see black death on my screen like I I still wanted to um kind of keep up with the conversation but just like off of social media so I just went and like read books about you know like black history um yeah and, and that kind of thing so on Saturday I was having a conversation with this guy we were talking about race and stuff so I was out with some friends and um had this conversation with a guy and I was asking we were talking about black lives matter and um kind of black culture and, like the kind the way it's been highlighted um a lot more during lockdown the past couple of months 
Um, and I asked him, like, do you actually know any black people personally? Do you know any black women personally? And like, in terms of their experiences and like, are you actually friends with any? And he said something along the lines of like, no, actually I don't have any like black female friends. I do tend to see black women as like intimidating and like not approachable and like kind of, he said something along the lines of like, they can sometimes have like a hard exterior and like, I can't really talk to them. Do you think, one, is that accurate? I don't think it is, but it's like, do you think it is accurate? And like, two, do you think that leads way for more black women masking a lot of their difficulties? Because I could go on a massive, I mean, maybe I should do a lecture about, not a lecture, podcast even, about um, <laughs> like, do you think people see black women and the pain and suffering they actually go through or are they just these hard shells that some people see that's a really difficult question but it's a really so hard question <laughs> and it's because i was raised by a woman who would not let me show emotion so it kind of gave me this hard shell where it looks like I don't have any emotions or any feelings, but anybody who knows me knows that I can most certainly cry after a few drinks. So it's like, <laughs> I don't know how I am any different from a white woman or an Asian woman. Um, I don't know why they have this, I don't, what was it, stigma, basically. And they think, oh, she's black, she's hard. Whereas like, it's just women in general. I think that there are women who aren't black who may come across as more brash than me. So I don't, I don't get it. I think there is an element like that stereotype that he has of black women. I think is actually kind of steeped in racism, and the reason why is because I think that there is a stereotype that black women are you know seen as more masculine and therefore more unattractive and other races are seen as as these are like very submissive you know damsels in distress you know that they, they need to be protected and coddled and you know and black women aren't basically and I can't remember where I saw this but I know that during slavery you know white people thought that black people didn't feel pain the same way like they thought that we could resist pain to, to higher thresholds because i don't know we had a genetic disposition to because we 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 we, we were black and that that um that wasn't attributed to other races as well so there is the, that kind of historical element to these stereotypes but I'm, I'm sorry but that stereotype of black women being hard and unapproachable like I, I do think there's an element of uh, racism in that um, and whether he's aware of it or, or not probably not but oh I made yeah. him aware of it but uh, <laughs> I did invite sure him. I was questioning him like he was on jury stand he probably hates me now but <laughs> it was just a very fascinating conversation because I think I've always had that feeling but I've never actually asked a white man like that and he actually said it and I was like okay okay on a totally different note I think it's quite nice that he was honest enough yeah. to give you that opinion of yourself in front of you <laughs> yeah 
Do you know what I mean? And it opened a conversation that he probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to have with somebody else. So there's a bit of growth there, whether or not he took it on board, I don't know. But Just to go back to Juanita's point, there's definitely, like, even if you look at, like, media and, like, films and stuff, when you look at, in old films, especially black characters, but even more recent films, like, there's always a kind of reliable black wise character who ends up dying before the main character does or to save the main character. And it's like that with both women and men, they're always sage, they're always, you know, quiet and super strong and have this like innate wisdom and, you know, ethereal strength. And so it's really seeped into all elements of society and how we've been portrayed in media as well. There's definitely, I mean, if you think to what Juanita was saying historically, like, I imagine a lot of it was almost justification. Like when you think of the atrocities that were being uh, caused by white people to black people, in some weird, perverse way, they've probably had some need to justify it and to be able to say, oh, black people can take more pain. So that's okay that we put them through this awful life because they can handle it, whereas we can't. Like it's just, yeah, steeped in very atrocious practices, that whole perspective. But I do also understand the other point you were making about, you know, if black women are actually more unapproachable and have a tougher exterior, is that because of how hard life is for black women, right? So if we look at like the hierarchy of things, cis white men being at the top, right? And, you know, black trans people being you know the bottom of the barrel almost the bottom of the barrel like black women are not that far from the bottom right so there's a lot of things going against black women socially politically economically just because of them being black and women basically and I think that you know would you be more you know miserable or bitter because you know life is that way I mean maybe I don't know I wonder if we do it um and we like maybe we do have this harder exterior and we do give off this colder expression because I sometimes do fear that if I gave my actual reaction my natural reaction then it would be seen as being aggressive so I'd rather just be quiet and just take it on the chin, they'd be perceived as an aggressive woman. But it's like, with that, it's like black women can never win because you're having to subdue who you are just because of this thing where you're thinking, God, like this person might perceive me as this and then treat me a different way. So let me just subdue my reaction just so they don't see me as you know the angry black woman which is also really unfair for you Mm. so you can't win no it's game over guys (laughs) (laughs) i think the ability to have these kind of discussions around mental health or even your own mental health or even speak to a therapist or basically consider things outside of like basic survival is such a privilege right and I think that does come down to some element of like class struggle because if you are basically just trying to provide for yourself and your family you don't have time to be thinking about like I don't know like 
racial discourse and, and engaging in these kinds of like discussions that we do because we're able to like we have that certainty of like I'm gonna have dinner in the next couple of hours you know what I mean or like do, do, do you get do you get what I'm do you get what I'm trying to say like I think it really is a privilege that we can actually have these kind of discussions because we're in that financial position to be able to do so and I do think like as much as I get upset sometimes at my parents like you know lack of ability to like discuss like certain subjects I think it's it's because of you know they've got other things on their minds you know pertaining to looking after the family so Mm. yeah I do think that kind of transcends this cultural thing of of like you know black parents or you know African Caribbean parents like not being able to you know express themselves in the ways that we would would hope that they would (laughs) (laughs) it's making me rethink how I'm going to raise my children completely because I was just like I'll raise my I'll raise my kids how my mum raised me but I'm like maybe I shouldn't do that (laughs) (laughs) maybe I should raise my children differently (laughs) because I've turned out great but you're right I've had the time (laughs) to it's true it's just funny <laughs> i am my biggest fan it's that we are it. all your massive cheerleaders because we're yeah. all side <laughs> but that's fine yeah. <laughs> um yeah it's just it's it's fast it, that's really made me think that point Juanita. Um, because yeah we are in such a valuable position right now we have all the time in the world to have all kinds of conversations and just really open up and really change things and I think our generation generation will be a fun one to watch Mm. as we grow old for sure if we all get the chance to grow old yeah climate change hashtag unprecedented (laughs) times but um, <laughs> um, do you have any like unique self-care practices that help you um, just like calm down or like de-stress after um, a hard day, hard week or hard life? I think mine varies depending on what level of stress upset I'm at. I'm a big believer in crying it out. I find it very cathartic. And sometimes it's literally a case of finding something really upsetting to watch on TV. Like artificial intelligence is always a good tearjerker. And it's quite a long one as well. So you've got the whole film to cry. So that's really helpful. And then eating is, is probably my biggest support. Yeah. I think it depends on what level of upset I am. But in general, I'm a big believer in just crying it out. I find it very cathartic. I think it sort of gets the hormone imbalance out of your system. So sometimes it's just a case of like finding a sad film to watch. I find artificial intelligence, you know, the film with Jude Law and Haley Joel, something, something <laughs> from ages ago, really upsetting. So that's a good one. Lots of crying in that. And then I guess eating is probably my other backup. Always helps. Always helps. Um, I love singing so if I am particularly emotionally 
drained. Um, uh, it's normally when I want to cry, actually, I sing because Celine makes me cry. Um, don't tell anyone, though, because I don't, I don't want people to know that I cry. What else do I do? Oh, recently I've been doing physio once a day and it's been so soothing. I mean, it's meant to be straining. I'm probably not doing it properly, but... <laughs> you're doing yoga. <laughs> yeah, 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 but that's not yoga that you're doing. <laughs> but I'm doing it like, I have to use the door to like pull it forward. So like it is a lot, but it kind of lets me reflect on the day. And I love doing that because the kids that I teach now are very stressful. So it's nice to have that time. Um, and, oh, smoking. Ooh. Okay. God knows what I'm going to do when I have to stop doing that. Sorry. Well, <laughs> um, I think, like, I cry, definitely. But that's when, like, things are really, really bad. Like, I'm not, I wouldn't consider myself to be a crier at all. I don't really cry. So, but I also feel like my crying sessions are involuntary. So maybe that's not an actual coping mechanism I do, you know, actively. Um, I go to the gym to burn off steam like you know getting rid of that pent-up anger or frustration or basically just to let off some steam uh playing rugby I'm not gonna lie like mm. I think what you were saying in the very beginning Lamie is about you're a bit more short right now mm. you've got a shorter fuse like I think rugby really helps keep my emotions in check like even if I do you know release them during the session the rest of my week is great so you know it just <laughs> <laughs> it, it keeps me sane for sure um and also just did I say eating already have I already said that no I think that's a common theme within um around all of us. <laughs> yeah um, yeah, yeah exactly. but but, I, but I, what I will say is that it's not like I will it's not that I will go on a binge and eat my feelings so I won't go and like I used to do that I'm not doing that anymore not in this year not in 2020 but I what I will do is if I'm feeling really really sad I will go to like an expensive supermarket like Whole Foods or Waitrose or an independent place like buy myself like the best ingredients and cook myself a really 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 nice meal so like Mm -hmm. the process of cooking something for myself is almost better than the actual meal itself because it's like this is the best ingredients I can afford you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and I'm making it all for me like that for me that that's like you know the height of self-love so yeah. that's what I do. I cook, really. Oh, that's mm. nice. I hate cooking. Okay. So what you've just described is honestly my hell. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that stressed me out just as you were describing it because I love I love the fact that that comes. You'd like that's relaxing for you. Whereas some, I mean, I'm just like, no, no. if anyone asks me, yeah, even because, grocery shopping is too much for me. No, because <laughs> I'll be like going in. I'll be like walking through the aisles, and I'll be like, oh, what should I get? And I'll be sniffing the cured meats, and then I'll be chopping onions. It's it's just really, really, really therapeutic. And then you cry when you chop the onions, so it's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I cry at the drop there of a no hat. Better satisfaction though than watching somebody enjoy the meal that you've cooked. That's something I enjoy yeah. watching. I like watching someone enjoy yeah. what I've made for them. I do. No, I, I, I get one portion though. 
<laughs> that bad. <laughs> There's nothing like when the Uber Eats driver knocks on your door and has your takeaway, and you've been waiting a solid half an hour for it, and just like the feeling of pure joy in that moment. I'm like, this is what happiness is. I haven't had to work for this. I've lost a lot of money, mainly on delivery for this, but you know, and it's unhealthy, but it's going to taste good it's going to feel good for a solid 10 minutes and that's what mm. is most important no i don't know i think at the moment i've started doing yoga um mm. that's the only self-care i'm very bad with self-care so that's why i wanted to ask because i think i like to be busy all the time and like the past couple of weeks i think i have been slightly losing my mind a bit in mm. like in a normal way but um and then I keep looking at my time, like, maybe I should stop and, like, calm down, like, put in time for myself. I'm like, no, I really don't cope well when I have nothing to do. So I'm mm-hmm. not good at self-care. But I have started doing yoga. Um, I'll get back to you on whether I like, actually enjoy it or not. One is... <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to say, like, self-care isn't always face masks and foot rubs and like painting your nails sorry Lamise but like <laughs> no as in that wasn't shade but I was, I'm saying like I feel like self-love I've discovered personally is more than just like treating yourself because self-love can be like establishing boundaries self-love can be like basically handling all of like the small things you need to do in in your day to make sure that you have less anxiety self-love is like money management like self-love is a lot of things that's not you know putting on a large face mask that makes you feel good for 30 minutes you know that's so true that is a fantastic point yeah I almost don't want to say what I was going to say say it because I realised I forgot about Netflix. Yes, yes, actually, that is a great point. <laughs> that oh, is my I've go-to. Got I watch. Yeah. Sorry, I watch Friends. I've watched Friends once a day for <laughs> twenty plus years, and oh, yeah, I, I, I honestly you're think it, to that. it's kept me where I am <laughs> to the point where George is like, so "We're at season ten. That's it." I was like, "No, no, we start back at one again." What's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> We just keep going round. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's a huge self-care thing for me. Yeah. I'm actually okay. Watching YouTube, I'm obsessed with Trixie and Katya. Um, they're drag queens um, from RuPaul's Drag Race they've got a YouTube series together and I watch I do the same thing like I will watch all of their videos again and again and yeah. YouTube and it feels that that's a good point actually because it doesn't feel like self-care I do feel like I'm wasting my time a lot of the time but then it is like my way of just like yeah, yeah zoning out sure. for the day and just like okay this is me I'm just gonna laugh mm-hmm. at two drag queens who are being funny yeah. not laughing at them that's not yeah that's a different show <laughs> that's my next podcast black girls talk black girls talk is a how good is that that is really that's good. Incredible. I came up with it. Yeah, thank you. I'm just full of you ideas. You guys are not a drag queen. I know. I know. I could be. No. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, thanks, guys. Um, this has been great. Um, I think we're all amazing women, and I think the moral of the story, the moral of this episode, is black women are amazing, and especially the four of us right here. But thanks, guys. Thank you for again. having us. Thank Anytime, you. Anytime, Jesse. Anytime. Thank you. Later. 
all right, you miss. But <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thank you so much for listening don't forget to check out our instagram at black girls rock and stay tuned for the next episode bye